You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Operation Sharpshooter is linked to North Korea. Canada begins the extradition process for Meng Wanzhou. Huawei is planning to sue the U.S. for banning its equipment from government use. Facebook may have used questionable tactics to lobby against stricter data protection laws. Thailand passes a controversial cybersecurity law. And IBM interns discover a host of vulnerabilities in visitor management systems. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Monday, March 4th, 2019. McAfee disclosed yesterday that Operation Sharpshooter, a cyber reconnaissance campaign discovered in December, exhibits striking similarities with multiple other attacks attributed to North Korea's Lazarus Group. A government entity gave the researchers code and data from a command and control server used to manage the campaign which gave them a deeper insight into the group's behavior. The researchers had originally declined to link Operation Sharpshooter to the North Korean group based on code overlap because the technical links were obvious enough to suggest a potential false flag. The new evidence also shows that the ongoing campaign is, quote, more extensive in complexity, scope, and duration of operations, end quote, than previously thought. McAfee researchers told the New York Times that they observed the group launching attacks against more than 100 companies. Its recent attacks have focused primarily on financial services, government, and critical infrastructure targets in Germany, Turkey, the United Kingdom, and the United States. The Canadian government has approved the extradition hearing of Huawei CFO Meng Wanzhou. A date for the hearing will be decided this Wednesday, although it could be years before she sets foot on American soil, due to Canada's slow-paced judicial process. Previous extradition cases in the country have been known to take more than a decade to reach their conclusions. Reuters says China is seething over the decision. Charles Burton, a former counselor at the Canadian Embassy in Beijing, told the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation that Canada should expect to face retaliation from China. Ms. Meng is also suing the Canadian government, police force, and border agency on the grounds that the circumstances of her arrest violated her civil rights, according to ZDNet. The lawsuit alleges that Meng was searched and interrogated for three hours before being told she was under arrest. It claims that a Royal Canadian Mounted Police officer and three border agency officials carried out this search and interrogation 
under the false pretense of a routine border check. The New York Times and Reuters report that Huawei will file a lawsuit against the U.S. government later this week for banning its products from use by federal agencies. The suit is expected to challenge an addition to the U.S. National Defense Authorization Act, the NDAA, which barred U.S. government agencies and their contractors from using certain equipment from Chinese companies. When the provision was added last year, Huawei called it unconstitutional, and the Times says the lawsuit will argue that the act amounts to a bill of attainder. That particular approach has been tried before. It's essentially the argument Kaspersky used last year when it challenged the U.S. federal government-wide ban on its security products. It didn't work that time around, but each case is different. Computer Week and The Guardian have seen court documents detailing Facebook's global lobbying efforts against tighter data protection legislation. Among various other revelations, Facebook reportedly threatened to withdraw investments from Europe and Canada if legislators refused to meet the company's demands. Perhaps most notably, the documents claim that the former Prime Minister of Ireland, Enda Kenny, offered to use the significant influence of Ireland's EU presidency. Ireland's current and former Data Protection Commissioner said yesterday that Mr. Kenny never tried to influence their decisions regarding Facebook or data protection regulations. A Facebook spokesperson told The Guardian that the documents were cherry-picked to tell one side of a story. Thailand's parliament unanimously passed a controversial cybersecurity law that critics say will give the country's military government sweeping powers to monitor or seize data without a court order. The Asia Internet Coalition, which represents major technology companies such as Google and Facebook, said in a statement that the law's ambiguously defined scope, vague language, and lack of safeguards raises serious privacy concerns for both individuals and businesses. The law bears similarities to Vietnam's cybersecurity legislation, which went into effect at the beginning of this year. That law outlawed criticism of the government and gave the government the ability to seize data from Internet companies without a warrant. Unlike Vietnam's law, however, Thailand's legislation doesn't require foreign technology companies to open local offices and store data in-country. This has led to concerns about the enforcement of Thailand's law internationally, since it will apply to all companies around the world that collect or use the personal data of Thai citizens. Critics assert that Thailand has a history of censoring websites and imprisoning citizens for comments they posted online. Two years ago, in a widely cited case, a 33-year-old man was sentenced to 35 years in prison for making Facebook posts that were deemed insulting to Thailand's royal family. IBM's X-Force Red earlier today disclosed 19 vulnerabilities in five popular visitor management systems, which could allow an attacker to gain physical access to an organization or establish a foothold within the organization's network. Some of the vulnerabilities also allowed for data exfiltration, which could expose sensitive information on customers. The gravity of the vulnerabilities depends on what the systems are used for, how they're configured within an organization's network, and what data they collect. Daniel Crowley, IBM X-Force Red's research director, told ThreatPost that, quote, depending on how each of these systems are deployed, these vulnerabilities represent a serious to high-impact risk for companies, end quote. Student researchers with X-Force Red discovered the vulnerabilities and reported them to the vendors. Some patches have been rolled out already, and others are still in progress. 
One of the vendors, Jolly Technologies, did not issue patches for the seven vulnerabilities identified in its LobbyTrack desktop. The company told Wired that the product is intentionally shipped in kiosk mode so that buyers can customize the software to meet their needs. This default configuration is meant to be changed by the owner before setting it up for public use. Finally, we've got a crew out in the city by the other bay, that is, San Francisco. This is the week of the 2019 RSA conference, and things are just getting started. The Innovation Sandbox is in progress now, and we'll have notes on it in tomorrow's podcast. Why tomorrow? Well, the Chesapeake is three hours ahead, and we don't want to keep you waiting until well into the evening. But we'll have the story tomorrow. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And joining me once again is Joe Kerrigan. He's from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute and also my co-host on the Hacking Humans podcast. Joe, great to have you back. It's good to be back, Dave. Uh, We had a story come by. This is from ThreatPost, and it's about uh, an interesting vulnerability some researchers discovered with the popular ring doorbells. The ring, ring doorbell flaw. Yeah. Basically what it is, the older versions of, of these doorbells, this is owned by Amazon, Right. These doorbells would transmit the data from the ring device to the user's phone in the clear. So the video and audio streams would be in the clear. Correct. Oh, okay. And it was possible not only to intercept it, but also to spoof it. That was an interesting aspect of this. It looks like it's easier to execute this, this attack if you're on the same Wi-Fi network as the user's phone. So what, walk me through what happens here. I, I have a ring... Device uh, looking at my front porch. Right. Let's say you're at home. Yeah. Right. And you don't have very good network security on your home. Okay. Network. 
So I am outside with a, with a device, and I can connect to your network because I've either you don't have a password on it or you're using WEP or using a weak password, and I've broken into your network. Connected to my Wi-Fi, right. my home Wi-Fi. All right. So now your doorbell rings, and right. you are interacting with the doorbell. If I'm sitting out in my car in the front or anywhere nearby with, with a long-range antenna, I can monitor the traffic between your doorbell, your, your smart doorbell, and your phone. Hmm. And then I can also save it, of course, and, and maybe play it back at a later point in time. Oh, I see. So hmm. one of the features of these systems is they can remotely unlock the door, right? Right. So if I wanted to get into your house, it's possible for me to spoof it, right? Play back some, some video of your buddy coming over, and then you unlock the door. Uh, or like the babysitter. Right, the babysitter. Right, babysitter comes to watch the kids while I'm uh, at work after school. I record that. Yeah. I don't know if that would be a good attack vector. I think you have to be in the same... Wi-Fi network as the phone. Yeah, but I'm getting to the part where, you know, if I can record that video of the babysitter, right. then I could use that to play back to you sure. to trick you into thinking that it's the babysitter at the door. Correct. And then you unlock the door. Right. Huh. Yeah, that's an interesting way in, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, what has what is Ring's response to this? Well, Ring has actually issued a, a patch to the vulnerability. In, oh, the latest, okay. in the latest issue of the, uh, in the latest version of the app, which yeah. is uh, 3.4.7. So if you have a Ring device, you should go out and update right now, and it will update the device and, and everything and, and secure the traffic. Just make sure you have the latest version. Correct. And that's one of the things I always harp on. Make sure your software is up to date. Yeah, and I think it's, it's a, particularly interesting with some of these devices that you kind of set and forget. You know, they're, they're hanging around in, in your house, these sort of remote devices. Right. Because that ring doorbell is going to be doing its job 24-7, and you don't really think about it. It's not, it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, but, but it is broke. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, right, right, so, right. It's uh, it's time to fix it. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, you're right. When people people say if it isn't, if it isn't broken, don't fix it, but that statement has always kind of frustrated me. Hmm. Because just because something is working good enough doesn't mean it's working properly. Right. You know, it could it could be working better. It might have a problem that you don't know about, that's right. <laughs> like this, right. that's causing you harm. Yeah, I suppose it's like, uh, you know, I, I don't drive with seat belts. I haven't crashed so far. Right, exactly. <laughs> Same kind of thinking. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> All right. Well, if you have a ring, check and make sure that you're updated to the latest version. Joe Kerrigan, thanks for joining it's us. It's my pleasure, Dave. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the CyberWire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for CyberWire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. 
The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Vaughn, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow.